Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Most of you would know that I grew up on a farm in the 70s and 80s. Most of you wouldn't realise that that was well before the days of political correctness. And I can remember vividly some of the statements that usually my mother would make as we were growing up. How many of you remember that classic, you wait till your father gets home? I heard that a few times, I must, must admit. How many of you remember the, if you guys don't knock that off in the back seat, I'm going to pull over on the side of the road, get a stick and smack you with it? Oh, maybe it was just me. Oh, oh. Um, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I have a couch? And all of a sudden it feels like therapy time. How about that nugget? It's all fun and games till someone loses an eye. Wow, that escalated quick, right? I mean, how many eyes were truly lost? (laughs) Certainly none in my family. Maybe some in yours. My father always had this classic. Everything was going well until the wheels fell off. And it's a statement of impending doom. Everything is wonderful until it's not. And you sort of go, well, yeah. It's just true, right? Everything is wonderful until the wheels fell off. Recently, I had an experience where the wheels fell off. And I would love just to share with you this morning some of the things that I learned through that process. You see, back in July, in the school holidays, our family had the opportunity of taking leave and we went camping. Now, I love camping. It's awesome. And you may not find camping that great. That's okay. You're allowed to be wrong. (laughs) Camping is awesome. But I've got to admit... It's more glamping with us than it is camping. So we went away in July, and most people would say, oh, you're camping in winter? You guys are crazy. Well, let me put this in a little bit of perspective for you. We went camping on a powered site, which means we had heaters. We went camping in our camper trailer with a brand new mattress. We went camping with an ensuite toilet. So all we had to do was pull the camper trailer up, set it up. We had our own bathroom. We had our own heater. We had our own bed. So let's, let's just... It's glamping. I mean, let, let, let's face it. And so over the course of the week... We travelled about 2,000 kilometres around the Flinders Ranges. Some of that on bitumen roads, some of that on dirt roads, some of that on tracks, as we went and had a look at everything 
that the Flinders Rangers had to offer. For me, it's a, it was just a great holiday. I went away wanting to do three things. I wanted to see hills, I wanted to sit around a campfire, and I wanted to see the stars. And when you go to the Flinders Rangers, that happens within the first 20 minutes. <laughs> and then for the rest of the week, I just got to sit back and relax. There was no mobile coverage. The phone wasn't ringing. The emails weren't coming in. We just got to sit and relax and enjoy. And the thing was, we had this great break and things were going really well until the wheels fell off, quite literally. <laughs> Have a look at the screen. So how many people know it's not meant to look like that? <laughs> if you just roll through those photos, uh, that's the drive shaft on the ground. Uh, that's not good. Um, and the next one, yeah. Everything was going great until the wheel fell off. You want to know the really annoying thing? The really annoying thing. Just around that next corner is my house. <laughs> we got home from camping. I went to Bunnings, because that's what you do. You go to Bunnings. I was five minutes from home and I went, oh, it's okay. I, I, the steering's just not quite right. So I got out, had a quick look. Everything looked okay, it wasn't a flat tire. Okay, I'm five minutes from home, I'll just get it home, and then I'll see what's going on. No. A hundred metres from home, the wheels came off. Now, how many people could imagine, just for a moment, that my reaction wasn't exactly pure or holy? No. Quite literally, a small bump in the road, bang, down it went. Stopped pretty quick, as you could imagine, with everything dragging on the ground. That nice, relaxing holiday was evaporating really, really quickly. So I called the RAA, the RAA came out, they looked at it, ummed and ahed a little bit and said, nah, sorry, I can't help you. What? What do we pay you for? <laughs> Didn't matter, they couldn't help me. It ended up being taken to a crash repairer and two and a half weeks later, I got the vehicle back again. During this process, there were three things that I learned that I'd love to share with you this morning. The first thing is when the wheels feel like they're falling off, find the miracle in your situation. You see, I'm convinced that there are miracles everywhere, but we do need to look for them. One of the things I get to do here at the church is lead our Young at Heart group. 
Now, our Young at Heart group are basically for our retirees. They come in on a Wednesday and we have a great time. And when, when I say we have a great time, it usually means I stir them all up, <laughs> rile them all up and send them on their way. <laughs> usually, they keep looking at me and saying, oh, you young man, you wait. And to which I go, yes, young man. That, that's why I keep coming back to this group day after day. One of the members of the group is Betty Ferguson. Now, I don't know if you know Betty. Betty's just, there she is. I don't know if you know Betty, but, but Betty's about this high. <laughs> Betty loves Jesus. Betty loves Tony. And Betty loves me. I'm saying not necessarily in that order, but that's up to Betty to tell you. See, a couple of weeks ago, I was having a chat with Betty, and I said, how are you going, Betty? And she said, today, I woke up, so it's going to be a good day. I love that. Don't you? I'm here, so therefore I'm here for a reason. Jesus has decided not to take me back, and so therefore there's something for me to do. Find the miracle in what happens. You see, I think we see miracles all the time, we just ignore them. Yeah. When was the last time you stopped to look at a sunrise or a sunset and thanked God for what he's brought? When was the last time you thanked God for your family, for giving you your friends and the relationships that you have? When was the last time we stopped and went, God, thank you for victory. Thank you for pastors Tone and Kath and the sacrifices that they've made over many years so that we can experience this. Thank you, God, for placing me in this family. When was the last time we stopped and thanked God? How about, because as Billy said here, the difference of being born in Australia as opposed to being born in Kalawasi. Have you actually stopped and thanked God for the miracle of where he placed you? You see, for me and my family, we experienced a 100% dead set miracle when that wheel collapsed. Because 24 hours earlier, we would have been doing 100 kilometers per hour just outside of Clare. It wouldn't have been me and by myself, it would have been me and the rest of the family towing a trailer, loaded fully. We experienced a miracle. The only thing that was holding that wheel on was a steering arm and a rubber brake line. That was it. At 100 kilometers an hour, it would have been ripped out of the vehicle. At 100 kilometers an hour, it probably would have gone under the vehicle or under the trailer. And at that speed, it probably would have rolled us. We experienced a dead set, 100% miracle that that didn't happen just 24 hours earlier. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, 
rejoice. It's a short verse. It's 11 words. And yet we're not only told to rejoice, but we're reminded to rejoice as well. Why? Why in 11 words do you need to be told and reminded? Because we lose focus so quickly. We get our situations around our neck. We get our circumstances around our neck. And we need to remind ourselves that we need to rejoice. And when do we need to rejoice? Always. When the wheels are falling off, when things aren't going your way, we need to rejoice. The key. What do we need to rejoice in? When the wheels are falling off, we don't need to rejoice in our circumstances. It would be really hard to. What we need to rejoice in is the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because your circumstances don't change Him. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the one who loves us so dearly. He is the one who is holy, who is righteous, who is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere, all the time. Why do we need to rejoice? Because He isn't subject to our circumstances. We are subject to our circumstances. And we can choose. This verse doesn't say, grin and bear it. This verse doesn't say, put on a happy face. This verse doesn't say, fake it until you make it. This verse says, regardless of what you're going through, consider the majesty, the magnificent, the wonder of our God. And as you consider that, you will rejoice. In Philippians 4 verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When the wheels are falling off, your circumstance and your situation feels like it's right there. Your circumstance and your situation feels like it's all-consuming. But if we'll look for it, we will find the miracle. As we focus on the majesty that is our God, our problems will find their right place. As we focus on Christ, we will see the perspective that God has on our circumstances. So I encourage you, when it feels like the wheels are falling off, look for the miracle that's there. The second thing that this taught me is that I need to follow the process. Now, when I said to you that I called the RAA out, I was a little bit more proactive than that. I put a call into the RAA and went, oh, they're going to be a little while. So whilst I was there on the side of the road for half an hour just waiting for them, 
I rang my mechanic, told them what had happened. I rang a wrecker and had sourced parts. I had put a plan into place that I was going to get my car on the road the next day. <laughs> it was done, it was sorted, woohoo! And then the RAA came out and said, no, we can't tow that. Now, again, I've told you my first reaction wasn't pure or holy. Probably this next conversation wasn't either. Why can't you tow my car? A suspension component has failed. It just needs a tow. The RAA told me that they couldn't tow it because it had impact damage. To which I said, where's the impact? I haven't hit anything. It just collapsed. And they said to me, as soon as those suspension components hit the ground, it's classified as impact damage, and the RAA can only deal with mechanical breakdown, not impact damage. Okay, fine. So what do I need to do? Well, the RAA can't tow it. They need to call in an accident tow. To which I went, but hang on a sec, if, you were gonna, if the RAA is going to tow my car, aren't you going to call the same people anyway? Yes. <laughs> so let me see if I've got this right. You're telling me my car is 100 metres from home and you can't touch it, but you've given me a number for someone else to arrange a tow, which is the same number that you would be calling anyway. Yes. At which point the guy said, would you like to talk to my supervisor? <laughs> yes! I want to talk to your supervisor. Supervisor told me the same thing. That in actual fact, the legislation has changed more recently in South Australia and that an accident, anything deemed as an accident, has to be dealt with differently to anything as a breakdown. To the point that if the RAA did something about it, the fine is $10,000. I understood why they weren't willing to touch it with a $10,000 fine. So, give up. Give up. That process that I had in my mind of getting the car back on the road the next day, gone. It's not going to work. So it got towed to the repairer, and as I said, it was there for two and a half weeks. I didn't like that process. I'm not happy with that process. But if I wanted to get my car fixed, that's the process. There isn't another option. If I didn't want to get my car fixed, I've got lots of options. I can leave it on the side of the road. I could go and get my car and try and drag it and pull it. I could, I could throw it in my backyard and just leave it if I didn't want it fixed. If I didn't want my car fixed, there are options. But to get my car fixed, I needed to follow the process. As Christians, God has given us his word. 
And the Bible contains the patterns and the processes that we can apply to our life when it feels like the wheels are falling off. There's lots of things in the Bible that give us what to do, but I just want to focus on three this morning. The first thing that I see is keep planted. You see, when times get tough, when it feels like the wheels are falling off, we tend to go into fight or flight mode. And more often than not, it's easier to run than to stay and work it out. Just imagine with me for a moment. My car gets towed to a repairer and I leave it there for a day. And then I go and get another tow truck and I pull it out and I take it to another repairer and I leave it there for a day. And after a day I get another tow truck and I pull it out and take it to another repairer. And after a day I pull it out and take it to another repairer. You'd be right to think I'm insane. You're right to think, you know what? It's never going to get fixed like this. And yet we do the same thing with our lives all the time. We see a conflict. We don't like it. So we change. We might change job. We might change career. We might change city. We might change church. But the reality is, is that as we just pull ourselves out and plonk ourselves down somewhere else, The problem doesn't get fixed. We need to keep planted. We need to follow the process. In Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, it says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. My question is, what do you want for your life? Do you want to be planted by a stream of water, not having to worry about the heat and always bearing fruit? Because for me, I love that. I want that. Then the process is keep planted. If God has placed you in your job, if God has placed you in your family, if God has placed you in a church, stay planted. Put your roots down deep because it's only then that as you face situations, as the wheels fall off, that you'll be able to follow the process. The second thing is keep faithful. Now, my car went to a crash repairer. I wasn't at the crash repairers. I wasn't there standing over going, No, I'm sorry, that doesn't look right. I reckon that's a 12mm bolt, not a 13mm bolt. Are you sure that needs to come off first? 
No, look, I, I don't think that's quite right. I reckon we need to do it this way. What do you think the mechanic would have done to me if I tried that? I would be shown the door really, really quickly. And yet I think we do this to God all the time. God, I don't like this circumstance. Are you sure that's right? God, that person is frustrating me. Are you sure this is right? God, what are you trying to do? If I was God, I'd be doing it different to that. God, what are you, what are you thinking, God? We're happy to put our cars in the hands of a mechanic, the expert. And yet we think when it comes to our lives that we can tell God what to do with our life. We need to keep faithful. Our lives are way more complex than a car. And we need to allow the maker, we need to allow the manufacturer room to move. In Philippians 1.6, it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. What's our responsibility? We need to keep full. We need to keep full of hope. We need to keep full of faith. We need to keep full of belief, trust, love, that this God who loves us so dearly is going to see this work through to completion. The third thing in the process, keep growing. Keep growing. My car came out in better condition than when it went in. Now, you saw the photos. It's not that hard, right? But the reality is it came out with new parts installed. It came out with a new tyre. It came out with new suspension components. My solution? Second hand. The repairer's solution? New. Keep growing. In James 1, verses 2 to 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, I want to be mature and complete. I do. I just don't like the process of becoming mature and complete. And the key is perseverance. The scripture is clear. We are going to face many trials and troubles. But we have the opportunity to persevere through them. And in persevering through them, we become mature and complete. Now, you might be sitting there saying, Ash, that's easier said than done. Yes. Because if it was easy to do, everyone would do it. The question is, what do you want in the end? If you want to be mature and complete in the end, then we need to persevere through the trials that we face. 
You see, there's a saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's only true if you make it true. What doesn't kill you won't make you stronger if you choose to shrink back. If you choose not to re-engage. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger if you choose to let it make you stronger. And if you choose to get up again. You see, when we follow God's process, we'll keep planted, we'll keep faithful, and we'll keep growing. The final thing that I learnt through this process, so we need to find the miracle, we need to follow the process, and finally we need to future-proof ourselves. When I got my car back, it is absolutely true that it is, was in better condition than when it went in. Absolutely. But when the car came back, there was still work to do. You see, when the car went in, they replaced one tyre, the front left-hand tyre. But when you drive a four-wheel drive and all the wheels turn at the same time, all the wheels need to be the same. And so it came out from the mechanics and the very next week I had to replace the other three tyres on my car. That hurt. <laughs> At $320 a tyre, that hurt. So why do it? Because if I didn't, there's a great chance that I'm going to do damage to my car to the driveline by having things that are mismatched. So I did it because I needed to future-proof my vehicle. You see, after going camping and having this great trip and the left-hand side suspension failed, guess what? Well, if the left-hand side fails, there's a fairly high probability that the right-hand side is not far behind and so even though the repairer gave me my car back, and even though it was in much better condition than it had ever been before, I had to take it to another repairer. <laughs> I had to take it to another repairer and get the right-hand side fixed. I needed to future-proof my vehicle. In Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 8, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Why did I choose to use this scripture? Well, first of all, I want to say sluggard. It's a great word, <laughs> right? Consider the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> what an awesome word. Just for my sake, just today, just, just slip sluggard into your conversation somewhere. <laughs> hey, Morgan, how you doing? Sluggard. <laughs> it's a great word, however... 
the scripture says, consider the ant and be wise. What does the ant do? It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Why? Because it knows winter's coming. It knows that in the good times, we need to put some provision away so that when the bad times come, when winter comes, we have something that we can draw down off of. Benjamin Franklin, one of America's founding fathers, his picture is on the American $100 bill, once said that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Why do we future-proof? Because it costs less in the good times to put something away than it does when the wheels fall off and you try and fix it. Over the last couple of months, we've talked about a lot of different things from this platform. We've talked about God, money and me. And if we can apply that pattern shown in God, money and me, it will help future-proof your finances. If you can look at your finances and if you can steward and seed and save and then spend... You're future-proofing your finances. If we look to cement our disciplines in place, our Bible reading, our prayer time, our church attendance, it future-proofs ourselves. It future-proofs our relationship with God. You see, the reality is, too often, when the wheels fall off, when we hit hard times, it's our church attendance and our Bible reading and our prayer life that takes the hit. And yet we know that when the wheels fall off, they're the things that are going to hold us. That's the anchor that's going to help us through the situation. We're very quick to ask the question, God, where are you? God is still in the same place he always has been. God hasn't moved. More often than not, we have. More often than not, we've drifted. But God is still in the same place. Future-proof yourself. As you look at me today, I'm not in a healthy place. Physically, I'm not. I'm not in shape. Now, some would argue round is a shape. (laughs) It is a shape, it's just not a good shape. We need to future-proof our health. I want to be around longer for my wife and for my children. And whilst I'm not in great shape now, I have lost 10 kilos this year. Humble brag. But I want to future-proof myself. 
take stock of where you're at. I don't know where people are at at the moment. What I do know is that if you're in, you're in a great place, praise God for it. If you're in a great place, that's fantastic. But let's be people of vision. And let's work towards a preferred future that God has for us. And let's future-proof our lives as best we can so that there's something to draw down on. As the rest of the band comes. Some may argue future-proofing, isn't that just really being pessimistic? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that in life, we're all going to face situations that go pear-shaped. We're all going to face situations that go out of our control. We're all going to face situations where the wheels fall off. But what we can do is take action now so that there's something to draw down on. I don't think it's pessimistic. I think it's wisdom. And I think that we're foolish to not consider the ant, you sluggards, (laughs) and see the wisdom of its ways. For those of you who are here and you feel like you're in that season where the wheels are falling off, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But what I do want you to do, because only you can do it, I do want you to find the miracle in your situation. Because there is one. There is one. It just may not be immediately obvious. And the second thing I'll ask you to do is won't you commit to the process? Because we all want the result but no one likes the process. Losing weight for me is horrible. If people have done it before and you find it easy, fantastic. I'm so glad for you. I hate it with a passion. But I want the result. And if I want the result, I need to follow the process. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 